The shock is still palpable along the border as the region is grappling with the mass shooting at an El Paso Walmart that left 22 dead. The gunman intentionally targeted Latinos, citing common white supremacist tropes in his manifesto. The attacks come at a time of increased anti-immigrant rhetoric and border policies that make obtaining asylum harder than before. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is Border Dispatch, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Wendy Fry, you're part of the border team at the Union-Tribune, and you've been covering the fallout after the tragedy in El Paso. After this, what are people saying on both sides of the border? Right. So I I went around to just different retail places by the border today, mostly in San Ysidro and Imperial Beach. And people are have a little bit of nervousness going out, going out shopping. Um, They are saying a couple people were saying that this is uh, just kind of a new low, a new bad time in our country's history. This anti-Latino and also anti-immigrant rhetoric has been a fixture of American politics for the past several years. How is the community dealing with this constant barrage of kind of just negative discussion? Right. For, I mean, decades and decades. And even in California, you had Pete Wilson's policies to get himself elected to uh, in California here. Uh, And people recognize that people people have been saying that they understand it's a it's a political strategy like it is for Trump to get reelected. It's a political Mm -hmm. strategy to talk about Hispanics like that. But it's just getting to a point. Obviously, you know, now people are taking action with violence. People are hurting people. And it's to a point that where a lot of people feel like something needs to be done. And what's the mood in Tijuana? The mood in Tijuana also, so a lot of people in Tijuana, as we've talked about many times before, they cross back and forth. So mm-hmm. they come over to, to San Ysidro, to Las Americas, to shop or, ha- or see friends, see family, and vice versa. People go over to TJ. And so the mood is is certainly uh, the same. It's, it's fear of, of going out, fear of crossing over and going to do their normal routine of shopping, going to lunch, that kind of thing. Uh, and then there's other people who are sort of um, saying that they want to express a defiant attitude towards this and they want to, to show that they're not going to hide in their houses or stay where, you know, racist people tell them to stay. Mm-hmm. And make no mistake, Tijuana also has a share of violence, but this kind of targeted attack hasn't really happened in Mexico. Right. So they don't have the issues of mass shootings mm-hmm. uh, like like we see here across our whole country. Uh, in Tijuana, it's um, the violence that you're seeing right now in Tijuana is is between people who are fighting over over drug deals, over small level drug deals, not necessarily the big giant uh, narco trafficking routes to the north, mm-hmm. but they're fighting over little neighborhoods in TJ right now. And, and it, it is an extreme amount of violence. But um, if you if you are in Tijuana and you're not involved in selling or buying drugs, you're pretty safe. So in a sense, the violence in Tijuana is simply that, while what happened in El Paso is more of terror. Right. And a lot of people were pointing that out. A lot of journalists in Tijuana actually were pointing that out over the weekend. You know, we, we had this story, 31 people killed in TJ. Well, how, how many people killed over here in the United mm-hmm. States in this one weekend in these in these violent mass shootings, one right after another. Yeah, and certainly similar to El Paso, San Diego is a surprisingly safe city. And that seems to be some kind of a 
oddity that happens with these border cities. Right. That you don't see that the violence crosses over. It's mm-hmm. also like El Paso. I spent some time in El Paso and, and Juarez before. And it, it's also this um, community of um, cooperation between mm-hmm. the two cities. They have a, a, a kind of a binational relationship that's very good, just like we have San Diego and Tijuana here. Mm-hmm. And that's something that it appears Americans that don't live near the border, they don't seem to understand that. It's it's not a, a defining line. It's one large community that's connected. Right. A lot of people from, from far away do not have not seen that with their own eyes, and so they don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And prior to uh, the tragedy that occurred over the weekend, you were working on a story with a reporter from the Los Angeles Times about the MPP program, also known as the Remain in Mexico. So why don't you explain, why are some of these migrants choosing to give up? A lot of them have, have, have been to the United States, and they've sort of felt this this anti anti immigrant rhetoric and this anti immigrant sentiment and a lot of them felt like they were very very badly treated in in custody in US detention uh, the average stay of a lot of people that we talked to was about 8 days or so and they just felt like um th- like they didn't have a chance with their asylum case mm-hmm. and that their their home country was looking better and better to them given you know how they felt like they were going to be treated if they did did migrate into the United States. And we've talked about asylum multiple times, but can you give us a quick refresher on how it's supposed to work and how MPP changed that process? Right. So the way it's worked in the past is if you do a credible fear interview, when you come to the line, you do a credible fear. And if a border agent determines you have a credible fear, um, that then, then you wait in the United States for your immigration proceedings to mm-hmm. make their way through the court process. What's changed in January, the United States government started sending people back to Mexico to wait there while their immigration case sort of makes its way through the court process. And that has a lot of effects. It, it means it, it's harder for migrants to obtain legal counsel because it's harder for them to meet with their lawyer and, and, and give them all the evidence and the information that they need and for the lawyer to prepare. And uh, it also, you know, as we've been talking about, Tijuana can be a dangerous place and, mm-hmm. and migrants are targeted for that violence because they're they're vulnerable. So they're somebody that, that, that the cartels think they can manipulate, make money off of, use to run drugs if they want to. And that's a that's a huge concern. And how strained is Tijuana right now? Uh, it it has been sort of at a balancing point right now because people are going back mm-hmm. so so quickly or so many people are going back. It's about at the same rate that more people are coming in. And so it's sort of at a, a, a balancing point, but that balancing point was already pretty strained. Like people, the, the shelters were already 80 to 90 percent full, and they are right now maybe a little 95 to 99 percent full right now. So definitely resources are strained. And um, some, some of the migrants were actually saying, though, that they're going back to their home country and considering coming back up for their immigration hearing. Um, or getting more proof, because uh, when you make an asylum case, you need police reports and hospital mm-hmm. reports and stuff like that. So they were talking about going home and getting that stuff and then coming back. So it remains to be seen if if people will actually do that. We'll stay on top of that, though. And after the weekend shooting, is there more fear among migrants, or is the fear of what they are trying to escape greater than whatever threat they may perceive across the border? I think it's individual case by case. It's really more... 
the sentiment is how they feel like U.S. officials are treating them, mm-hmm. like they are subhuman or like they are animals. We heard that said over and over again, that the migrants felt like they were treated like animals when they were in U.S. custody. And so, so whereas they don't, you know, I don't think it's hit home yet violence if somebody shooting everybody up like what happened this weekend but i think that 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 it's they they have a feeling that they're going to be treated badly by us citizens because that's the first line of of interaction that they get but with us border agents so i guess um as someone who's been covering this for some time do you think trump is succeeding in what he's trying to do which is to limit immigration in as many ways as possible I wouldn't want to use the word succeeding because if you think of what the goal is, I'm not sure that it's it's legal or what we want to be as a country. But as far as the goal of discouraging people from coming to the United States, discouraging asylum claims, yes, there it does appear less people are coming. Definitely people are going back home and saying, don't go to the United States. It's not worth it. And it, I mean, it does seem that that's what his administration wanted to achieve. Wendy Fry, thank you so much. Thanks. In other border news, 26 people were arrested Sunday for extorting people at the San Ysidro port of entry. They would bother drivers trying to cross, saying they needed to pay a fee for getting in the wrong vehicle lane. Tijuana police have been warning of the public of these so-called fake police officers who demand money from confused drivers crossing into the U.S. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. You can also listen to Hot Lava, our Padres podcast. Union Tribune sports editor Jay Posner and baseball beat writer Kevin Acey talk about the team's ups and downs, comings, and goings. Look for it on your podcast app or go to uniontrib.com slash hotlava. Until next time.